this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we are back with another one of our listeners suggestion polls this is where our listeners make suggestions to our website and we try to figure out well not we our 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 patrons try to figure out from a list of eight albums which one they're going to vote for and which one's going to be our review for a particular month and for this month jay which was november mm-hmm. there was some good there were some good options and I wasn't. I really was not sure what was going to win based on the comments. Yeah, this one seemed wide open. Yeah, there was no uh, front runner coming into this. Well, and here's the here's the thing. There was a front runner at the end because this one ran away with it in a way that yep. not many of our polls have actually had you know have done in the past. And yep. that was Fugazi's "In on the Kill Taker." Jay, who was the suggestor of Fugazi's "In on the Kill Taker"? Colin O'Hara. Colin, when you suggested it, you didn't. You you wrote "I'm on the kill taker." Just saying, you get you had a typo, <laughs> and we we posted that typo. Yeah, because we don't have an edit button. Nope. So this whole this whole operation's automated. So so here's what what it was up against. Uh, a lot of people were talking about Muzzle's album actual size that came in second place with seven votes, mm-hmm. and then. The Falls, Code Selfish. We almost had a second Fall album this year, Jay. That was number six. That had uh, six votes. So that was pretty close. And then I, don't know, Bib- I don't know how we would have handled that. I don't know. That's a lot of Marky e. Smith for, <laughs> for one year. For one year. For one half of a year. It's only a yeah. couple months ago that we did that one. Yep. We also had Bivouac's Tuber with four votes. Uh, Dylan Fence. Outside, in Adorable, uh, we had, uh, and then the band Adorable against Perfection. Is that a typo again as well? Outside in Adorable? I'm not sure. There, I, there seems like there's a lot of Adorable in this poll. <laughs> Did I get it wrong in the poll? I don't know. No, no, no. I think it maybe just. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. But uh, and then two for last place: the Faith Healers, Imaginary Friend, and Steve Salas Alter native but the winner which a lot of people predicted was going to be the winner which it was fagazi not gonna lie a lot of people yep. in the comments over at patreon.com forward slash dig me out they were like it's got to be fagazi you guys have to talk about fagazi they're a key part of the 90s why haven't you talked about them before you're awful well they didn't say we're awful but yes we get it we this is a key band to the 1990s and we had to bring them up at some point, but we waited for you to tell us when to do so. And and now you have, so there you go. Here's the deal. People commented. We're going to read those comments. That's how it works here. Let's let's go through them. Keith Sawyer said going with Dylan fence an underrated power poppy band that seemed to be going nowhere. When North Carolina was forecasted to be the next it scene after Seattle until it wasn't to be fair. Every scene was the next Seattle for five minutes, or at least the record industry was hoping Right. 
for another gold mine. They were they were searching. They were sending out search parties looking for more than one band in a city to be declared the next Seattle. So Johnny Hooper said, "This is tough for me as a longtime Fall fan. I would normally jump at the chance at hearing any kind of in-depth chat about them, but I'm going with Fugazi." Mm-hmm. Uh, in, a, in On the Kill Taker feels like such an important album of its time. You can hear Fugazi reaching for something more and succeeding at doing it. Question is, would it have felt that way if they finished it with Albini behind the board? We'll get into what that means in a moment. Scott Witt says, Salas was a bit more funk than your average shrapnel guy, but he was still average. There are too many bad albums of rock guys going alt that it scares me away. Fugazi is awesome, and I love that album. However, I choose The Fall. I always like them and don't remember that album. Interesting. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I think we should also, if if people didn't catch it, the Stevie Salas album was apparently suggested by Dave Abrizzi from Pearl Jam. So Right, right. who played drums, I guess, <laughs> on that record. Right. So Which sorry, I'm kind of I've never heard that record. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to hear what it's what it's about. Yes. Um, Scott Hallgram said, "I'm never happy with C's suggestions. How does one submit to this poll?" <laughs> when and you gave him the link, so there you go. Yeah. Whitney Beeler says, "Muzzle's actual size is another slice of catchy pop rock that no one paid any attention to. I can't recall how I stumbled into it, but it's always been one of those albums I keep coming back to." It's not such an amazing five-star kind of record, but it's got a lot of ear candy on it, and I like sweets. Nice. Complicated and Ditch Your Love are great one-two punch to kick things off with. The latter might be on my top 100 songs ever if wow. I had a list like that. And there's more there. There's a long long comments. We'll get into all of it. I, 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 I've never heard Muzzle. Based on the album cover, though, I never would have guessed it was poppy. I oh, know. no. It looked kind of like, like serious and dark. Terrible terrible local band using some aerial font uh black and white picture that's that's not a good cover i'm not sure what's going on there a little grim looking yeah but our friend gavin Mm -hmm. reed said this has to be fugazi perfect fit for the pod an all-time top 10 album for me whoa that's uh it's a lot of pressure uh, Ian Wobble said, can we get two fall reviews in 2018? I hope so. No, this... we can't, Ian. No. <laughs> no Close, sorry. but no. And then uh, finally, Stephen Rusinski said, this might be the first time that Facebook comments were reflective of the actual votes. And while I'm super excited for the discussion on Fugazi, I do think everyone should seek out actual size by muzzle, particularly if you're fond of Power Pop. It's a fantastic album, and it's on Spotify so give it a go. Hell, maybe you guys even do another runner-up review with this one, eh? Maybe. Maybe, but maybe. we don't have enough time because this is the second-to-last episode of 2018. Next week is our roundup of the year. And then we're into 2019, and we hit the memory erase button. Everything goes away, and we start over fresh in 2019. But one of the patrons could pick that album. It seems exactly. to be on a lot of radars. and Steven, uh, we've We've never heard it. You seem to like this album, Stephen. I'm just saying. You've got a review coming up next year. Or someone else. Whitney Beeler. Just saying. So, patreon.com forward slash dig me out. That's where you go to vote in polls such as this. It's where you go to uh, be eligible for giveaways like we just did in our last episode. Congratulations to the winner of our Studio Navoa inner ear phones. Monitors. Monitors. 
and uh also where we will post bonus content again sometime soon I'm, we've just been super busy and you know we haven't had any additional things to say is what it came down to everything we've said we've said on the show which is free but we we we, we kind of go in like um bursts yes. like we'll have a burst of extra content and then exactly. we'll go it's been a little quiet with the thanksgiving i think November was a little quiet. So, I mean, if you want us to discuss like our favorite Thanksgiving pies, <laughs> you know, I had an excellent raspberry. We we do have to uh, maybe get into episode two of the eighties. Yes, uh, the exclusive eighties podcast on the uh, Patreon. So we'll get to that soon. So uh, Jay was mentioned in the comments about this record. I'm not going to go into the entire history of Fugazi. People know that it's made up of Ian McKay, guy. Picciato, Joe Lally, and Brendan Canty. That's the lineup. Everybody is pretty well known of this band. Um, this album is their third. It came out in June of 1993. Uh, it was reproduced by Ted Nicely, who is of the um, Inner Ear Studios in Arlington, Virginia, the famous Inner Ear Studios. Um, so originally... Uh, they had recorded with Steve Albini in Chicago. Um, they were going to do uh, an EP, and they ended up recording a whole album, but they were unhappy with how it turned out, and they ended up going in back to uh, to Inner Ear Studio to record. I guess those original recordings are bootlegged now. You can find them online. That's the only time that I'm aware of. I, I have to do... I, I believe everything that they recorded was with was at uh, Inner Ear as mentioned, and this came out on Discord as all Fugazi releases did, as they were that was their label. Interesting note is that uh, in September of '93, they were playing. Uh, they did a three-night stand at the Rosalind Ballroom in New York, and Ahmet Aragon, the head of Atlantic Records, showed up and said, "We will give you your own." subsidiary label we will give you 10 million dollars and you can do whatever you want and they declined <laughs> and then fugazi or uh, Lollapalooza approached them and said would you like to headline and they said no we would hate that <laughs> so remember this was a band that was very uh focused on inexpensive shows on touring in a van on uh keeping the price of their CDs and vinyl to a minimum. Mm-hmm. So it was, there's an ethos that goes along with Fugazi that you have to sort of separate if you were just going to talk about the music because that sometimes can bleed into what people uh, ascribe to the what Fugazi is, mm-hmm. and it can get a little uh, difficult because yeah. there's personalities involved and and whatnot. So true. I was. I didn't get into Fugazi until probably after they were done. I was not. This is not something I was listening to actively when they were a band. Were, have you been into Fugazi at all? Um, I'm sort of with you. I came to them more from uh, the bands they influenced uh, or that were contemporaries, and then felt like I was obligated to go uh, get give spend some time with them. So I remember the argument, which came out in 2001. And I remember Red Medicine, which was in a lot of like used bins. Right. So I, I actually own, I think both of those rec- both those CDs. 
So I just remember like spending trying to spend time with it, trying to get into the band. In all honesty, it never really connected. Um, I don't know that I didn't get it. It just I don't know. I was in. I think I was more into our understanding the bands that they influenced uh, rather than the source itself. Gotcha. That, yeah, I, I can say that. You know, I was listening to like Jawbox mm-hmm. or you know some of the other bands of that sound, but I wasn't really listening to Fugazi. And then I don't know what, but something clicked with me, um, and I got thirteen songs, and it, I've had that forever. But the rest of the records have been I've been in and out. I haven't like fully dedicated yep. my time to them. Yep. So let's check out this record. Let's talk about 1993's In on the Kill Taker by Fugazi. Tell me one thing you liked about this record, Jay. Uh, I like the bass. I like the bass approach to this record. So the bass is super important to this band, it seems, um, in that it creates, it just doesn't create a foundation. Sometimes there's like hooks in the bass parts. And sonically, it, it does create this, this bass where the guitars can kind of do anything, which is cool. Um, so... It allows the the guitars to kind of soar at times, do things that are dissonant or angular, and sometimes they lock up uh, in different ways, and it gets really big. So I've always liked, um, you know, I've revisited the band. I've always liked the rhythm section. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the drums are really strong as well, and that's really what I gravitated to uh, as I listened to the record um, and revisited it. Um, not that I don't appreciate the guitars, because I do a lot, but I just kept coming back to what I was liking about the guitar I, guitar uh, part, I couldn't help but, or even the vocal sometimes, I couldn't help but quickly realize that it was able to do what it was doing because the bass was so well thought out and, and so integral to what was going on. So um, from that aspect, um, I really liked it. There's some great dynamics um, across the board, just uh, within the band, also how they use the vocals. They'll do like, you know, double vocals up to create like a bigger sound mm-hmm. um they got i guess two different people singing so you get a couple different vo- voices throughout the record um and then just sonically it, it can be sometimes you know it can get pretty huge um they cover a lot of uh sonic you know space within within songs you know you can get some guitar parts that are you know ear piercingly high and you've always got this great foundation of the bass um so it's not like some bands in this genre can get a little too punky and almost lo-fi or and i think they're able to really sound big and full and do a lot uh, there's a lot of musicianship here as well so they can do quite a bit without losing that raw energy you know there's definitely there's definitely an energy through this whole record. It sounds very live. It doesn't sound overly rehearsed or, right, you know, manufactured at all. Um, it still has a lot of sounds that you know, or would be similar to probably what you would hear there in their practice space. You know, it sounds very immediate. So yeah, there's there's quite a bit here for me to like.
it's interesting with this band they have a such a lineage with guy picciato coming from rights of spring which is a legendary dc punk hardcore band and then you've got ian mckay or mckay however you pronounce the name um he was obviously in minor threat which is one of the most legendary bands and then teen idols and you have this like punk lineage which bleeds into the band and obviously this is post hardcore you hear it on songs like public witness program it has this punk energy and there's a, almost like a a gang vocal the way yep. the way the vocals are done but they really transcend like it's hard to pin down i, I mean post hardcore is like the sort of generic term but there's playing in such a big space which is weird to say because of how this is produced in such a non-commercial way and i'm not saying like it's abrasive it's just it doesn't have a ton of reverb and it doesn't it's very immediate sounding but like you get like facet squared which has this very long and sort of quiet intro there i hadn't listened to the record in a while and i put it on i was like what's going is this is there something wrong like, at the beginning, like, why is this taking so long to kick in? And then you I have dig a, that dig that intro. Yeah, I wish, they, they were, I wish it was a bigger part of the song. Um, and then you have you know like the instrumental "Sweet and Low," and um, Twenty Three Beats Off has a long instrumental part, and it's just they're covering so much ground. And and I think when I was listening to this, what clicked for me was that you know they'll go off and they'll do some really dissonant guitar stuff. And the interplay between McKay and Picciato, you know, pretty interesting. Guy Picciato is known for playing a Rickenbacker, which is produces a pretty unusual sound for a post-hardcore band. Mm. It reminded me, when I, especially in some of the longer instrumental parts, of the sort of heyday of Sonic Youth, the Daydream Nation, and, and that kind of era of, of Sonic Youth. But with, you know, much tighter songwriting, there's not like these long jams and there, it's not as sort of just drifting off into uh, weird, you know, eight or ten minute long, whatever. These yeah. are much, much more concise, but they're able to take like these, this really, I don't know how to put it, but uh, they're able to take that style of mm -hmm. of Sonic Youth and wrap it in this post hardcore sound uh, of what was their previous bands and then come up I you know obviously this is the third record so they're pretty confident as a band together but it's just throughout the record I was just sort of amazed at like how it doesn't sound like you know this is 1993 so some of the bands we're talking about as contemporaries hadn't even really like formed their sound yet. I mean, this is pretty, we talked about like Jawbox, but Jawbox yeah. hadn't made, you know, for your own social Seahart or, or the self-titled record yet. They were still finding their sound and they were still pretty loud. And yeah. Whereas Fugazi is already on their third record and they've already made waiting room, which is their sort of key song for most people. And I, I noticed in, in the evolution, you know, with that song, there's, a more space on this record, which I really liked. And is a part of that, like willingness to open up the, the sound a little bit and explore those longer passages, like having an instrumental track on here and stuff like that. Um, mm. I just, I liked the, 
I guess, growth on this record from only really knowing well the first record, which are all very tightly constructed sort of, you know, I think a lot of that, I think I might be wrong, but I think that record was compiled from like an EP and some other stuff. So it's a little bit more immediate and it just, the songs are pretty tight and this has a little bit more space on it. I like hearing them explore that. And I think the, I think the instrument album that you mentioned is that mostly instrumental? Am I right with that? Because it was. Uh, I don't. Know. I I talked about Red Medicine and the argument. Oh, the argument. Okay. Well, there is an. I think there's a, an album. Yeah. Called there's Instrument, a ni- which is an all instrumental album. Okay. Yeah, that came out in '99. I've never heard that. Okay. I think it's it's like the soundtrack for a. Uh, or was supposed to be, or is the soundtrack for a documentary, about the band. I want to say okay yeah i mean i think the um it's not overly mathy and and some of these bands can get where it's um you know you can tell they rehearse the material so much and work on it it starts to become a little stale like they keep this this rawness to it but there's still precision and uh lots of dynamics so it's a nice balance of of you know keeping that kind of punk spirit and energy without getting overly um, contrived or, you know, kind of working something to death. Um, for the most part, you know, a lot of these two have a, I don't know if you would call it a pop format, but you know, the material is, you know, it, it's easy enough from a just overall like song structure to get into. You know, there are hooks, there are choruses, there are, uh, for the most part, they're, they're all, you know, within the three minute kind of time frame too. So, Mm-hmm. Um, three to four minutes, so it's fairly concise. Um, there's really only one song that that goes off and gets a little bit more experimental. You know, they, there's a pretty good job of sequencing. There's some things on here that are, you know, fairly blistering fast, and there's other things yep. that they get they get into a, you know a legit groove, which is the stuff that I'm more gravitating to. I think. Right. I heard a lot of at the drive-in, um, so I guess for me it was oh, a bit yeah. of a revelation of just how influential they were on that band, especially with the vocals. Um, and obviously some of the guitar work, you can kind of hear the, the entire vocal approach of at the drive-in came from this, um, band or so it seems. And I, I love the, um, you know, the, the, the way the guitars play together, you've got a lot of, uh, similar parts, but they're kind of out of, out of each, they're playing something different, but they're out of each other's way. They, they're yeah. able to balance that of like the guitars they choose or the, how they pick their parts, but like they're close enough that it sounds big and full, but they're just different enough that it gives it that like organic feel. And it actually adds to the overall like feeling of um, how big it is. You know, when guitars are kind of off and doing slightly different things, but close enough, it gives it this almost uh, expansive kind of feel to it. Um, so I, I enjoyed I enjoyed listening to that and, and kind of picking that apart and trying to understand what they were doing. And again, though, I, it kind of comes back to when you start breaking that down, like, oh, well, of course you can do that because the bass part is so good. <laughs> you know, the guitar, right. can just, like one of the guitars can go totally off the rails. It's a lot of cool, like pull offs and just like little guitar, like riffs and bits that are really nice. Um, mm-hmm. There's one song where. You know, in the first chorus, the guitar is playing the melody really high, the vocal singing, and then the second time through, they do it. Um, I think just with the high or with the ride cymbal on the on the drums. So it's all, all kinds of like little nuggets of dynamics that are super clever. 
Uh, so it's definitely like uh, I think an inspirational band, uh, record if you're in a band, you know, just yeah. trying to work out ideas and different way to play things and how to build dynamics, how to layer things, how to put guitar parts together, how to play around with, you know, not always having the bass follow the guitars all the time. You know, I love when they do that in this on this record where, you know, the bass parts um, pretty different uh, than what the guitars are doing. That's usually for me where it's most successful. In fact, I think some of the songs I don't like, if you get into start getting into that, like Great Cop uh, is one example, um, where it's just it's all too locked together. Um, it's not it doesn't quite uh, it's not unique enough for me. It just not, it's, it doesn't quite get there. I, I prefer when they when they kind of push things. Uh, I think right. between the parts. I can hear that. I, I understand what you're saying. I think that the one trouble that I have is that I feel like I had less of an understanding of the vocals, or not the vocals, but the lyrics. Like when I listen to 13 songs, which I just corrected, I'm going to correct myself. 13 songs is technically considered a compilation album. It's not their first album. So it's two EPs that they recorded and then Steady Diet of Nothing. Or sorry, Repeater is the first, I guess, album, which okay. came out in in 1990. And the Study Died of Nothing is 91. So, when I listened to 13 songs, I would listen to Ian McKay or on Suggestion or or Gipicchiato on Give Me the Cure, and I I have a very clear understanding of what they're singing about, and I got really confused, <laughs> like what some of these songs are about. I don't know what Walken syndrome is about. I know it's about Christopher Walken. I'm not sure why or like what the lyrics are yeah. all about or facet squared. I mean, there's, there's talk of like flags and stuff like that, but I, I'm like, I had a really hard time figuring out what was going on mm-hmm. as far as like what the songs were. I know it's, I think it's a little bit more abstract than I was anticipating revisiting yeah. it. Yeah. Um, or, or, smallpox champion i was like I, don't, <laughs> I, I know this is probably some sort of commentary on healthcare or something because this was a political yeah. band and then i tweeted i like i got to the end of the song there's the end of the song and he it sounded like he was saying chopped champion and all i can think of was the food network and <laughs> i just uh i had a hard time like locking in on like what they were what they're singing about yeah. so that sort of it didn't diminish the songs in that they weren't as immediate in my understanding in the way that the earlier stuff is. And I know the the band became a little bit more as time went on, they, they were less blunt in their lyrical approach, but that was the only thing that left me. It was a little bit distant and I couldn't quite lock into the songs in that sense. Yeah. The, the lyrics are, you know, a bit, uh, abstract but to, for me i'm not 
usually over critical of lyrics i will say that they do manage some pretty pretty hooky little bits here and there yeah the smallpox champion is a good example of uh, I like the chorus, what is good for the future, that part, uh, uh, the cha-cha champion part at the end is pretty good. Um, they do a good job of creating these, you know, shouty, you know, with limited vocal abilities, you know. Um, they do a good job of come, using right. different instruments and the way they combine things together and then just how they come with little lines here and there to make the, the vocals fairly hooky uh, when they need to be, where they want them to be. Uh, I, I think one of the things that... Um, I was a little bit thrown on the record. It's just sonically, it's a little inconsistent. So uh, uh, I didn't know the full history of the uh, producing background, but uh, I had seen that Steve Openey was involved or had been involved in some way. So I was a little thrown by a song like Rend It or any of the songs where it gets it gets um, just louder. It gets awfully muddy, which is weird because there's probably half the record or more um, I think it sounds great. It's all fine. It's just, it, there seems to be maybe something wrong with the mastering, I would say, or something not quite, that could be better where as the band gets super loud, it just gets real muffy, muffled and kind of, uh, starts to sound crushed. Um, yeah. So well, that was one in particular, th- cause it's got such a wide dynamic between yeah. the loud, you know, heaviness of the beginning and end of the song. And then there's just a vocal almost mm-hmm. by itself so there's such a dynamic range you end up with a weird compression going on and i don't care what she is just don't ask me to choose i'm supposed to feel to allow you that's not so easy to do And I think the the material is recorded fine. It really just sounded to me like maybe it just needs to be remastered or wasn't mastered very well. Uh, it just doesn't manage the the loud and quiet uh, consistently. So that was one of the things that stood out to me because those parts on the record uh, tend to be you know where it really grabs you. You know sonically, that's kind of the whole point. You know these big crescendos, and when it they go there, and the whole you know recording starts to crumble it's kind of a letdown um, i'm wondering if this has ever been remastered or if um it would ever be remastered it probably would benefit quite a bit i don't know i know that they kept putting everything out on vinyl mm-hmm. all the discord releases and all the fugazi releases so i wonder if it might be a matter of what it was mastered for you know if they mastered this for vinyl it's going to have a different sound on cd yeah, true. So that, and I'm, you know, they're smart enough. They probably knew what they were doing, and maybe that's just a how how it ended up, you know, sounding on CD, and they were fine with it. But yeah, I agree with you. There's some there's some weird, or I guess not weird, but just um, less than stellar 
sounds at certain points. And I think it really just stands out because the the music and the sonically what was captured calls for a really good presentation. You know, I just right. You know, some music can kind of get away with like a low fire compressed sound. This is, I think, in those moments. Um, really needing to you know expand and it doesn't it actually kind of gets crushed and uh a mu- and, and muddy and it's just uh kind of it's, it's counter to the um it's working against some of these songs i think it, it's not major it was just enough to start to notice it and then once i notice things like that <laughs> you notice it more and more and it becomes distracting i just want to go back to one point you made that was in your in your positive comments Yep. Joe Lally, the bass player, is yep. is so important, not just to this record, but just for Gazi in general. I mean, yep. th- like I said, their most well-known song is Waiting Room, and it's built around a bass riff that is yep. iconic at this point. Mm-hmm. And he does so much cool stuff. I mean, even like the bass sound in um, in Instrument, which is a slow sort of plotting song. Mm-hmm. But it's got like this, I don't know what to call it. I don't know what he's doing exactly. If he's like, um, it's in the verse parts, but it sounds like he's either playing chords, but it's it's not just a single note. But it's, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's a yeah, thicker yeah, yeah. sound, and it's it's got a weird, almost dissonant within just the bass part that I don't know, yeah, quite know he, what he's he, doing. I, I had in my notes that uh, I thought he was playing chords. Okay, on bass because yeah, it cuts out. And it's just it's just bass, and uh, it's very full sounding. Uh, that's the only thing I can think. Either that or some kind of octave effect. But yeah, there's definitely more than one note being, play, being played there somehow. Yeah, and I don't think he or the band used that many effects. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's just him, however he's playing the part. Uh, you know, Fugazi was not a band that, you know, in 1993 was on any radio station. This was completely an underground band in, in every respect. I think they maybe, did they have any videos on like 120 minutes? I don't think so. If they did, they were like maybe live. Before I don't remember, I don't recall any videos. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. My only story with Fugazi was uh, when I was in college. Must have been like ninety four, ninety five. Must have been a later album. Um, I worked for a car rental company for budget rental cars, and we drove out like we all hopped into like one car to go pick up cars at another location, and then move them. And we were like hanging out and some dude like came up to the window of the car and was, and was like, uh, I think we had, I think somebody had like a Fugazi cassette and was playing it. And he started yelling, Ian McKay is the devil. Ian McKay is it. And we were like, what? (laughs) Like, I didn't even know what it was. I just was was like, oh, what's this weird alternative music? Yeah, and then this weirdo shows up and he's screaming about Ian McKay, and I had no idea who Ian McKay was. <laughs> yeah, that's my only exposure, and basically in the 1990s to to Fugazi. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have to say that as I almost felt like pressure to like this band or get into them just because of all the other stuff around them, and not that I don't dis, not that I I don't know whether I agree or disagree with any of their politics or any of their ethos, but. There was just a bit of a, like, uh, I don't know. I tend to not like things that other people like <laughs> right. <in> that way. <laughs> so I just had a, a little bit of a, I was repelled 
by them a little bit it, it just in general just because there was such a an assumption of like oh you have to know this band you have to listen to this band and it's a very important band jay right and i was like yeah, oh, I know. maybe it's not <laughs> maybe i don't need to listen to this band so i have to say i probably you know that was one of the reasons why uh, i was a little slow to them getting into them yeah me too and I, I don't know that I would have got it at the time. You know, I, I think I get it now. Um, I enjoy it now. I don't know that I would have fully enjoyed it at the time. I just wasn't there. So for this record, worthy album, better EP or decent single? It's a worthy album. I mean, the, uh, there's only a couple songs in here I thought were either forgettable or uh, I didn't love 23 Beats Off. Uh, there's some noisy sections in a song or two as well that I, I didn't love. But for the most part, you know, it's concise. It's it's well put together. Uh, it's sequenced well. I think it did do a good job of, um, you know, playing with tempos and, and keeping you interested uh, throughout the record. Um, I don't have the typical, uh, you know, uh, spot in the record where it gets – you know, three, four songs where, or five songs sometimes where it's dry, like I'm not, not a whole lot I'm highlighting or liking, you know, it was pretty consistent across the board. So right. I think it's a worthy album. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I will say, you know, one thing that Fugazi was good at was keeping their albums pretty tight from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all, you know, none of them are stay longer than they should. Mm-hmm. They're all in the 40-minute range, from what I recall. I think that's partly due to the fact that they were still pressing them to vinyl, so they were keeping conscious of sure you, know, you can't you can't do 70 minutes. And they this yep. is not a band that's going to do a a double record. That probably kept them in check more than anything. Yeah, this is definitely a worthy record. Yeah, I agree with you. Some of the noisier parts are a little abrasive for me, but. I just love listening to them as musicians play together. And yeah. I love, I do really like the contrast between Ian McKay's sort of shouty, more punk hardcore approach. And then it's, it's weird that, uh, Guy Picciato, or I, I probably totally, I'm, I'm not messing, or I'm, I'm probably messing up his name, but his approach is much more in tune with like a, a, I guess a more rock vocal. Mm. Um, he's just got this like sneer. <laughs> that which one has th- which one has the deep voice? That's Ian McKay. Okay, yeah, I like the other voice better. I like the the less deep voice better. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, there's more. There's more personality. There's more... Yeah, yep, yep. Which on certain songs that works better. Yep. But like, it tends to do more of the doubling and like just dynamic overall. Yeah, but when you, I think Ian's vocal works on like a song like "Instrument." It works on that type mm-hmm. of song, so it's nice sure. that they had two vocalists to be able to pull that off. Which it's it's hard. I mean, there are not a lot of bands that are successful with two full time lead singers. There are some that do it, and they the, the second guy doesn't really sing any of the hits, like the Goo Goo Dolls, for example. You know, all the hits are are Johnny Goose, not Robbie Goose. Uh, this is pretty evenly split uh, between the two of them. I think I think they I think it's almost a dead split except for that instrumental. So wait, wait then it can't be a split because then it's twelve songs minus instrumental. It's eleven songs, so it's got to be like five and six or six and five, one or the other. So, yeah, worthy record. I I really I need to spend more time with just the whole catalog because I don't know it as well as I should. And I always like listening to it. 
I just haven't I haven't spent as much time as I would like to. Well, it's funny. There's this record, and there's another one in our next poll where it's. Well, I wouldn't say this almost forgotten, but I'm, I wasn't familiar with this. I'm not familiar with the other record we're considering reviewing. Like, yep. Don't don't assume that <laughs> just because uh, you know a, a small you know subset of alternative fans are super passionate about a band uh, in the grand scheme of things, this is pretty forgotten. <laughs> It is. That's true. Yeah. You kind of have to look beyond our, uh, you know, circle. Right. It might be the, huge the to wild us. wild world of music. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think uh, Rolling Stone did a whole lot of writing on Fugazi. And I think this was the first record that, of theirs that they actually reviewed. Is that? And right. Jan, Jan's pretty much writing the history of rock and roll. So Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's up to him. Uh, if it's up to him, Fugazi ain't going to get mentioned. So we need to thank our voters over at patreon.com forward slash dig me out who voted in this poll and made us got us back up to speed on Fugazi. We appreciate that. And we need to thank who was the suggester again, Jay? Colin O'Hara. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate you suggesting this record. You can go to digmeoutpodcast.com to suggest a record and you can go to iTunes to leave some positive feedback because we like that. And yes. You can still use our Dig Me Out code at Studio. That's DMO to get fifteen percent off your purchase. Just want to mention that as well. Get a little little cash for Christmas. Go head over there and get yourself some headphones. Inner ear monitors. I remembered this time. Or in ear monitors. Inner ear? No, they're not. It's not your inner just, ear. It's just your in ear. Just in ear monitors. Okay. Jesus. They're not boring into your ear. <laughs> no. Like in Star Trek Two. They're not fracking okay. your head. Gotcha. Thank God. All right. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash digmeout and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com. Zazzle.